my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. A really awesome, unpredictable outcome of quarantine is we've launched this really cool speaker series at iHeartRadio. It started almost like a year ago. We all moved into a different world order around March, April of 2020. And at the same time, podcasting as an industry continued to explode. And we wanted to keep talking about it, both in our own company as a central way. We have a lot of people who work at iHeart as a central way to talk about the kind of stuff that we were launching and why and, and why we felt like it was different and cool and important. And we also wanted to reach outside of our company and talk to folks who are making podcasts across other networks and companies and platforms and keep the conversation going about podcasting. It has very honestly turned into one of my favorite parts of every week because I just get to put tools down and talk to people that I think are awesome creators. They're awesome podcasters, but they're also just awesome creators from lots of other different mediums. With that context, welcome to the iHeart Podcast Network Speaker Series. I'm Connell Byrne. I run the podcast division 
at iHeartRadio. I am so psyched this week to talk to Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang. First of all, guys, thank you so much for joining. I know you make a lot of stuff. You make us laugh a lot out there in the world. You are busy. I sincerely appreciate you being here for a half hour to talk to us. Thank you for thank having you. us. We're very excited to be here. Thanks so much, Connell. You make moving into a new world order sound very <laughs> chic and cool. I'm like, oh yeah. That's because he <laughs> is very chic and cool. Look at the man. <laughs> That's it's right. It's very That's distracting. Right. How are we going to do a speaker series with a speaker so attractive <laughs> and a CEO? Oh, goodness. Let me get show my décolletage. I should not have signed up for this. So, so <laughs> <laughs> it's painful in all the right ways. I will try to describe who you guys are, but I think a lot of people know who you guys are. So first of all, Bowen and Matt are co-hosts of a podcast called Las Culturistas. It's part of the iHeart Radio Podcast Network, but more specifically, it's part of a new venture we launched with Will Ferrell, which we'll get into later, called Big Money Players Network. It's an incredible podcast. It's been recognized by leading podcast journalists as the best comedy podcast of 2020. It's a big deal in my world, podcasting. I think you guys are, in real life, really good friends. Bowen, we know you from places like Saturday Night Live. Matt, we know you from things like Oat Dog and Game Show. I think that one of the coolest things to talk to folks about is, first of all, 2020 in quarantine. What are you doing with all of the time in your house? Bowen, I will start with you. I am binging really randomly like foreign scripted stuff like the rain and dark what are you watching wow the rain and dark that's cool i i have fully and this kind of ties into maybe why the past year has been interesting with podcasting but i've been putting on 90 day fiance just in the background i'm not someone who has ever been like a passive viewer but now i am developing a comfort around knowing what my weighted blankets are in terms of like what i listen to what i watch something to do the dishes to and fold the laundry to. So it's mostly been lately, it's mostly been 90 Day Fiance. Matt, to maybe be more erudite about it, what are you reading? Like what book is on the bed, <laughs> if anything? The way that you asked Bowen, what trash are you watching? And then turned to me and said, what are you reading? I don't think you've listened to the podcast, hon. <laughs> Because you no, know it's, that this it's, girl a, it's an inversion. It's an inversion of our personalities. It's perfect. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, I will say I've started so many books. I've started Sonny Hostin's autobiography. I've started the Jessica Simpson autobiography. I will say this for real. My favorite culture I consumed all year was the Mariah Carey autobiography. Very and more specifically, um, this sort of <laughs> veers away from the reading of it all, but the audiobook is stunning. Um, but actually, you know, in terms of the 2020 quarantine of it all, I'm trying to look at that like a different version of what quarantine looks like for me. I think, like Bowen, I sort of immediately, when quarantine hit, like, did the reality TV thing and sort of leaned into all my worst instincts and like was eating bad and like watched 40 seasons of Survivor. And now in 2021 quarantine, I'm trying to like cook for myself and read a little bit more. So uh, ultimately, I think this has gone on so much longer than we think. Yeah. And so I think it's time to stop making excuses for why that's a reason to fill my brain with more garbage. That being said, I am going to watch 90 Day Fiance. But Matt, you said something <laughs> interesting. Like, why was the Mariah Carey audiobook? even better than the book itself. The only reason I'm asking is because like, 
about a month ago, we talked to Malcolm Gladwell. He did this speaker series for us, and he just put out this kind of audio book meets podcast called Talking to Strangers. And he was like, I loved this process. It felt like I was kind of like making a new content type. What was it about the audiobook that was super cool? Well, first of all, thank you for saying I said something interesting. Second <laughs> of all, um, I think that the reason the audiobook was so impactful for me was because, and I think for everyone, especially people that are lambs or in the lamely or real fans of Mariah's, is because mm. she looked at it like two separate projects. You know, the autobiography itself was, you know, a real shedding of so many layers of her that really got to who she is. And then in the audiobook, she sort of was able to perform that. And she is, you you reminded that she is such a performer. So something, an element of the audiobook that obviously wasn't an element of the autobiography was the songs that are explained and detailed throughout the book. She's singing in little tiny pieces throughout the book. Um, and so it's just really fun to hear her sing and also it's really cool to hear her crack herself up she is very funny and she thinks so too <laughs> so um yeah. it's just really entertaining i loved it i loved it loved it. yeah it's a sort of self-serving question because obviously our lifeblood at iheart is audio audio storytelling and all of its forms whether it's music or chechas or podcasts and it's just interesting to hear creators like like you guys or mariah or malcolm or whomever sort of my <laughs> I know. Sorry, that's funny yeah. to hear us in that sense. They're all it's, in the same pantheon. They're all sort of thinking very more seriously about audio as a way to tell stories. And I'm always interested in why. Back to the Will Ferrell connection, it feels like to me when he jumped in to do the Ron Burgundy podcast with us a couple of years ago, and then that became Big Money Players Network, and that became your guys' home in podcasting, it felt like a little bit at least to me he realized in real time like the creative freedom of audio was mm -hmm. just so expansive like he could do so much stuff because he didn't have to make it audio visual at least to start with that it's just interesting to see different reasons the other cool thing about podcasting is like very few people are full-time podcasters mm -hmm. and no one started out as a podcaster yet yes it's yeah. just too young of a medium and so i think it makes it very very cool because when you're brainstorming and developing with creators they come from such different backgrounds because they were doing other stuff before this or this morning so like Bowen, what were you doing before podcasting or maybe more pointedly like when somebody says what do you do how do you answer that question? This just ties in with me and Matt being comedians or coming up as comedians and sort of pounding the pavement, doing these bar basement shows and, you know, in our early 20s. But you would have to sort of uh, embellish when you would explain to someone, well, my day job is that I work in graphic design and marketing at this e-commerce site, which is true, which is what I did. But also I do comedy in, in the evenings and on weekends. And then they kind of raise an eyebrow. And then if you want to just like append an extra thing, you say, also, I host this podcast. And for years, it was me and Matt just sort of tripping over our words, sort of ontologically pitching ourselves to people like we exist in this way and people being like, <laughs> sure. Um, but now it's just taken such a turn in the last couple of years where people sort of implicitly know or just they know already what our deal is and that Matt and I have this dynamic and we have this podcast where it's very loose, it's very conversational in that way. So yeah, it's been an interesting shift in, in that regard. Was there a moment in your life, Bowen, where you were like, wow, I'm like a full-time comedian now? It wasn't until I, I, probably until I quit my day job, which was 
the summer of 2018. And at that point, I had already auditioned for SNL. I screen tested twice. So I was like, I think I have this sort of squared away in terms of the comedy so I can separate from the day job and figure this out. And then six months later, I got hired to, to write. So it all, it all timed out very fortuitously. Was it a scary leap or was there a part of you that was like, I think I'll be okay? It's terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. I don't know. There's never any like full certainty when it comes to like whether it's podcasting or comedy, it, 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 there's always so, so, so much that you don't know going into. Yeah, I think it's just a truism. Like anyone who is successful as a creator, a business person, whatever, there's always that like six to 12 month window in their life that was really <laughs> scary. Matt, what was your first job out of college? I've always, well, I don't like to say waiter. I like to say waitress. I was a waitress <laughs> for um, about 10 years. Um, I started bussing tables when I was in high school. I very much had working class parents. My dad's a phys ed teacher. My mom's a hairdresser. They were like, you're getting a job as soon as you possibly can. And so I went and bussed tables and then uh, restaurant work was all I knew. So I was working in bars and restaurants all throughout my 20s. I think until I was 20. 728 when Bowen and I started to make a little bit more money around this time that Bowen is saying freelancing because we worked for Vulture as we would do recaps of, of reality shows and we would do little features on whatever we wanted to do and that was able to make it so that I didn't have to work five days a week at a restaurant which was great because I do think that it was eroding my soul I worked some pretty weird jobs in New York. Like I worked in the financial district at a bar, at an Irish bar. And let me tell you, it wasn't the best of the best that came in at lunch and got wasted and went back to work to run our banks. I'll tell you that. Not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> don't be. Um, <laughs> there are stories. But um, yeah, I was, I was more the service industry. So I'm more the classic story of trying to make it in the entertainment biz and like work until four in the morning in, in bars and yeah, it, it it was scary to not do that anymore because it, it's you're not it's not cash in your hands anymore. Yeah. Right now. Like with the yeah. freelance business, it's like you got to wait for money. Or and the and the entertainment industry, once you start rocking and rolling, it's very hurry up and wait. And there's no guarantees. I've always known there was no guarantees. Do you feel like that? I don't know how to put it, but like working in that industry, you are on the front lines of humanity. Like you're <laughs> joking about the financial. I industry. consider myself an essential worker still. <laughs> I mean, literally, but like, do you also feel like it it plugged you into the darkest, funniest, hopefully, parts of humanity that you drew from it hugely? And now is that ever a challenge where you're like, I don't know what the peoples are saying anymore? You know what's interesting? Prior to moving to New York and really coming out of my shell as a performer, whether it was in college and sketch or, you know, doing the bar basement shows that Bowen talks about or, you know, taking classes at UCB when I really came out of my shell. Another huge part of that was actually waiting tables and working in places like that because I actually was really shy. I was really shy all throughout my life. And just, I had a social anxiety that was like pretty crippling all through high school and into college. Cause I was also very closeted, which is a whole other element of, you know, not being yourself or not being as forthcoming with your personality as you yeah think. And I think that throughout my 20s, I sort of did find my voice in the beginning, in the first half of my 20s. I think it's so interesting to be someone who's gay doing comedy at that time and being young because you really are doing like a sort of mask drag mm. uh, or a masculine straight drag to sort of fit in with comedy boys because they were running things. Oh. And so I actually do credit 
not just working in restaurants because of course it, you got to go up to strangers and ask them what their deal is food wise. But, um, also, you know, that was around the time, like in our mid twenties, I think we were 26 when we started the podcast. And because we didn't think anyone would listen to it, I mean, this was legitimately just Bowen and I sitting around for 90 minutes a week. We were like trying to schedule play dates with each other and the podcast was it. We can only be ourselves with each other and we never ever thought anyone would consume this. So all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I'm being positively received and this dynamic is being positively received because it's us. And I never thought I would be like a personality driven comedian. Like I was a sketch actor. I always saw myself like breaking through in acting or writing. I never thought that anyone would know anything about me because I feel like I didn't know a lot about me. Oh, wow. So the podcast has actually revealed so much to me about myself and um, allowed me to be myself. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. 
Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's an interesting thing you said a couple minutes ago. Like coming up, did you feel like I want to be a comedian and a creator, but I have to be a gay comedian and that's really restricting and it bums me out? Or did you feel like, okay, that'll be the first three years of my career. It's how I'll break in, but I'm going to branch out as fast as I can once I get control. What was going on in your head? I just wanted anyone to see something I was doing. You know what I mean? I just wanted anyone to sort of laugh at what I was doing or just tell me, hey, I saw what you did and I thought it was good. So I was willing to, you know, just kind of do whatever to get to be out there. I mean, when that wasn't really working or catching on, I think it was A, because I was very young and a lot of younger comedians or, or younger artists don't realize that, you know, not everyone is Jennifer Lawrence popping off when she's 22 or whatever. You know, you see the people that the media like sort of, glamorizes and you think, oh, I missed the moment because I'm not really successful when I'm really young. But for me, it's just like, if I could go back, I would just tell myself, you're not ready yet. Like, give yourself this time to develop. You don't need a manager when you're 24. If you get one, you're probably not ready to go in front of the people that are going to see you that that manager has access to. So I would just say to myself and to younger people who feel like things aren't happening for them, like, you're developing. I am so happy I had the time to develop throughout my 20s because I wasn't being myself. And you have to find yourself throughout that time, especially when you're someone who, as we know, are pushed to the outside because you don't fit in with what's going on in the center. So take that opportunity when you're pushed to the outside to look at what's happening in the center, see it more clearly. That helps you develop a comedic edge and that helps you develop a voice. And now I I would be... I would be bummed if I didn't have a voice. <laughs> Does that resonate with you too? That sort of journey over the first, I don't know, five, 10 years of your of your career? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Where you kind of walk through this crucible when you start out just to figure out what your sensibility is, what your point of view is, how it differs from someone else's, how it shares a lot in common with someone else. But then I think that this goes back to what Connell was saying about, you know, these like interdisciplinary people coming into podcasting or any sort of like audio medium where it's like oh you're bringing in some lived in experience and that's what people connect with yeah so bowen like a it's a broad question and maybe a hard one but like comedy in 2020 i imagine i mean you work on snl like snl played a crazy central maybe even super important role in the cultural conversation in 2020 but comedy all up became like this super important, maybe yin to the yang of the news cycle. And I don't know, did comedy become harder or easier in 2020? What was off limits all of a sudden? Like, maybe just talk about that a little bit. I think comedy in 2020 was catching up to a baseline of like what we all had to cope with societally, maybe. Like, I was reading this piece in New York Magazine about how one of the filters of comedy is through exaggeration or hyperbole and it was just very tough in this past year and in the last you know five years let's say to outgun what was happening in the real world so i think this is just a thing that's not even unique to snl but it's just unique to our cultural understanding of what comedy is and what we expect from comedy which is 
you want to see something lampooned or exaggerated. And I mean, we've kind of hit the upper bound of what is even like what we can all process collectively. So, I mean, yeah, we're in this weird liminal space between what we're used to in comedy and what comedy will be going forward. So I think we're in this fun transition period. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I mean, everyone is talking about it. It's hard not to talk about it, but the the storming of the Capitol that happened a week ago, there's an element where you look at these pictures and it's very hard to process in a yeah. comedic way. Matt, what were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, as someone that was there, it was really No, difficult. Matt! Just kidding. <laughs> I told you not to say anything. I, I just saying, from, from my view, which was I can't believe you got on a plane. I can't believe yeah, you were able got, to get. Oh, honey, forget get on the plane. I was on the Capitol building. I was saying hee hee ho. Uh, no, uh, just kidding. I, I was just being stupid. Sorry. With the antlers, that was you in the yeah, thing. That was actually a really fun aesthetic choice, but the police didn't think so. It worked. My favorite was the lawyer who's trying to defend the guy who was walking out of the building with the podium tucked under yeah. his arm and the lawyer was quoted as saying i'm not a magician this is not going to go well yeah <laughs> they were like you know your client is was photographed with the podium and he was like yeah it's gonna make things difficult <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic but like okay so let's get into the podcast a little bit we have about seven minutes left my favorite part of this thing is i get to talk to people the other favorite part is it makes us talk you only get like 30 minutes so we got to make it gold 30 minutes really goes i know i know it's crazy matt las culturistas what is this podcast how did it get started what is the mission statement of it maybe too grand a way to put it but what are you guys trying to do with this thing las culturistas is a zoo with no enclosures it aims to um discuss pop culture and just honestly, it's really just kind of about cultural life through the way that Bowen and I see it. And we bring in guests and we ask them a, a foundational question about themselves, which was what was the culture that made you say culture was for you? So basically this is asking them to delve into what the foundation of their personality is through a cultural or pop culture viewpoint. So that's kind of whenever we have a special guest on, that really forms the discussion. And then lately, Bowen and I have been really, I think honestly, it's because we're not together in the same space all the time. When we were in New York, we were on top of each other all the time. But with the quarantine, and even, even outside of quarantine, it's like we would always be seeing each other flying back and forth, whatever. We always make that time. So with the quarantine, we've been kind of more doing episodes that are just the two of us, that are just us kind of really discussing either cultural relics of the past, like what we, we recently did an episode that was all about uh, the very first McDonald's being built <laughs> and that's effect on culture. Um, or we'll just talk about current events and do a culture catch up. Like we just had an episode that was released yesterday, which is just us discussing the past couple weeks and really having a good time breaking that down with each other. First and foremost, it's a very stupid, fun, uh, game of tennis between Bowen and I. Bowen, you are so incredible on SNL that I could make the argument like, what other itches do you need to scratch creatively? Like, what does the podcast do for you where you're like, ah, this is what I get to do on the podcast that maybe you can't do in other mediums? Well, the podcast is this identity touchstone for me. Like, I, it's very easy to lose your sense of self at a place like SNL where there's just a million things going on, you're being told a million things to do, you're telling other people things to do, so that I feel like it's just very grounding for me to have the podcast as this channel to like remember like 
what my deal is, like what I like and and what I engage with. So so yeah, I mean, the podcast itself is like just a relief from all this, like just the valve being so tightened at, uh, at SNL and, and, other, and other places. It's a really interesting way to put it. It's like, it's funny because like in podcasting for years, we've thrown around words like it's a very genuine medium. It's a very mm-hmm. authentic medium. It's a raw medium where people get to be themselves. But that makes a lot of sense to me. I would imagine that being on SNL and being in that world is a lot. Uh-huh. And having this kind of a valve is maybe really meaningful and to be able to sit down and, and be yourself for a second. I think it's incredible that I was talking to Matt about this. Fran Leibowitz in this new documentary that she is in with Martin Scorsese talks about how, like, you know, no one is more beloved in society than musicians, just in terms mm-hmm. of you put on a song that you like and you're immediately happy or you immediately feel better. She's like, it's like the only thing in the world that makes you feel better that's not bad for you. It's not like a drug. And I don't mean to equate it to podcasting, but the way that podcasting works both ways, where we as the people who make it get that same thing out of it. That's there's yeah. that the function is the same on both sides, where we feel better doing it. Hopefully, people feel better listening to it, or are more informed, or come away with some new perspective. It was an interesting reaction for us to be candid with you guys. We have a lot of people at iHeart who work on podcasts, and when we were launching Big Money Players Network, Will Ferrell's podcast network with us we started to look out there at our favorite shows. And so many of our staff members were like, well, you gotta try to swing in Las Culturistas. It's the best show. And it was just made so many people so happy when it found a home here. But I wanna talk about the Will Ferrell piece for a second. Back to you, Bowen, for just a sec. So we did a podcast with Will two years ago, the Ron Burgundy podcast. It was hilarious, it was awesome, he's amazing. He obviously has this huge legacy from SNL. What did it mean for you guys? You didn't just join iHeartRadio, you joined the Big Money Players Network, which is like his own curated, executive produced podcast network that's crushing it. What does that mean to you, Bowen? Why did you do that? What did you want out of it? What did you feel like you were getting? Any pressure that was extra because of it? Anything like that? I think the pressure, I mean, not to label it as pressure or stress, but I think the reason that Matt and I were very quick to say yes to join this new pseudo sub network was just to to be like oh we want to sort of meet the bar where it's been raised with will sort of you know putting the ask out and yeah and starting to put this network together i don't know what matt thinks but that's that's how i see it matt what was your take he is such a foundational comedic hero um of mine and i'm sure of bowen's as well so to have the knowledge that he was interested in us as a comedic entity was not only exciting but also very affirming so i'm still bowled over that we've met him it's still wild to me that he came on the podcast and the fact that we have so many exciting things planned for the future with him it's just the fact that he's in our life is very cool it's amazing like uh, uh, not to will ferrell trip but like Anything we ever ask him to do, he does like 110%. You know, like, hey, can you, quick, can you make a quick video for a, a client or a brand? And he'll show up with like a whole thing. And you're like, that's amazing. I just needed a selfie. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that is his legacy. And like at SNL, people just say, like the stage managers say, like, he was the most committed person, one of the most committed people to come through this place and was such a gentleman, was so just, he was just a classy, classy guy. We just both knew that in some deep way going into this arrangement that we were like, yes, it's an honor for us to sort of 
be folded into that. Yeah. When you meet your heroes, it doesn't always go like that. It just it just does not always go like that. And he is so he so surpassed what my expectations were. And I had already heard from Bowen that he was such a nice guy, and heard from everyone that I know that's worked with him that he was such a nice guy. And then he surpassed that. But yeah. the coolest thing here is like you guys are building an idea called Working Title: The Feed, which is where you'd launch a new podcast that would highlight, recruit, break, highlight new talent that are not you guys yet. And so there's a pay it forwardness of big money players network that we never like intended, but I think is absolutely amazing where he has this platform to hopefully blow out your guys audience. But like, I thought it was cool that one of the first things you guys launched new was a way to do that also. Well, you want to talk about that for a sec, baby Bowen, tell us like, what's the spirit of that? I think it is exactly that. It's sort of broadening the scope of like, who is able to be a part of this like little universe that Will's creating, right? It's like, I, th I think I think that's the appeal to me and Matt is that he's just being, not to use this word sort of flippantly, but it's like, he's being inclusive. When I heard the idea for the feed that it would be us sort of spotlighting other people, that's always been such a big part of why Bowen and I are successful because people shared space with us. And a huge part of Las Culturistas, you know, obviously not now because of the quarantine, but we have a successful live show called I Don't Think So, Honey, where we've traveled all across the country with it. And in Brooklyn and LA, at least, uh, we had 50 comedians on stage at one point. We call it our little gay Woodstock. So one thing that we love <laughs> to do is share our platform with dozens and dozens. Now we can say hundreds and hundreds of yeah. comedians that we yeah. think are great and could get on stage and rock your world for a minute because that's how long I don't think so honey lasts. When there was an opportunity to spotlight more talent, I just know and I think Bowen knows that karmically that always pays off for everyone. Seriously, I, I, I'm so happy to have learned the lesson that there's always more to go around. I'm so happy now that we're in a time where, you know, we're we're even closer than ever with our other like gay queer people who are succeeding you know what i mean we're not angry when someone else succeeds it's just i'm really happy to have gotten that experience of knowing that if you give you receive you guys have been amazing you're amazing voices incredible creators such funny comedians we're so grateful that you're part of iHeartRadio. Thank you so much. It it's so it really does mean a lot that you take 30 minutes like this. I think it's an incredible story of you are amazing creators. You have an incredible podcast in Las Culturistas. I think you're part of an incredible network that Will Ferrell is trying to build. And now you're launching this thing coming up soon called The Feed, where you're going to pay it forward and let other creators get a shot at it, too. In what I think is the coolest platform out there, podcasting. So. All of that clicks for me really well, and I really appreciate you guys taking a half hour to talk to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Connell. This was so thank lovely. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you so guys. Much. Podversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.